Okay, we are going to start a new series, and that, a new series we are going to talk about persecution, oh, I spelled it wrong already, persecution in the church, and we're going to talk about people uh, some people a little earlier, and some people are today. We're going to actually get through into some people that are being persecuted today. So we're going to look at the church around the world. And when I say earlier, I'm not necessarily looking into centuries ago. I'm looking into earlier this century. Okay, People, we're going to talk about a couple today who just died in the year 2000. Okay? And they lived in, uh, well, we'll get into there. We'll get into who it is. Their name uh, is Richard. Richard. And Sabina. Sabina. Okay, Richard and Sabina. And their last name is Wormbrand. Probably nobody's ever heard of these people. Nope. <laughs> All right, so very interesting people, uh, very, very interesting. I saw some different interviews by them. I looked at them. Uh, Richard started out, and he was a stockbroker, okay? And he lived in a place called, eventually moved to a place called Bucharest. Ever heard of that? Istanbul? You've heard of oh, Istanbul, yes. okay? Right? So... This is in the area, and this is probably in the 30s that we're talking, the, the early to mid-1930s, okay, when they first moved. They were a couple. They had met. She was a chemist, okay, and he was a stockbroker. They made some good money, real good money, in fact. And they were living in this place called Bucharest, which is a very high society place. Lots of money, lots of things like that. And Richard ended up getting tuberculosis, okay? And tuberculosis is one of those things where what they tell you is you got to get out of the city. You got to go basically spend time out in the sunshine, in the fresh air, in the country, and you may survive. You may not, but you may. Lots of people die from tuberculosis. In fact, they used to have um, what they called sanitariums or places where people could go and be out in the country and they would try to spend time recovering. Your body basically um, has a lot to do with your breathing and things like that, okay? Basically, you need time away, and you need rest, lots and lots of rest. Well, Richard Wormbrand had this, and he was sent out to a place uh, in the country where we met a man named Peter Wolfkeys. okay? Peter Wolfkeys was not significant of a person, except he was a carpenter, okay? Except that God had given him a mission. Now, Richard Wormbrand and his wife, Sabina, wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted to make money, and they, in fact, said, we don't even believe in God. 
Peter Wolf Keys had been given a mission by God to bring Jewish people to the Lord. That was his mission that he felt like he was given. The only problem is Peter Wolfkey's never met a Jewish person. Where he lived, there were no Jewish people. Which is an interesting thing, right? God gave me this mission. I've got, he, he gave me a burden for Jewish people. And where I live, there are no Jewish people. <laughs> Out come Richard and Sabina, who both happen to be Jewish. Okay? Staying in the country where they are trying, or Richard is trying to recover from tuberculosis, and this Peter comes up and starts to talk to them, finds out they're Jewish, and talks to them and tells Richard about Christ. Sabina wants nothing to do with it. She says, I want to go back to the city, I want to make money, I want to live. I want to do things. And Richard starts to get better. Now Richard <clears throat> turns his heart to Christ. And as he's getting better, Sabina says, let's go back to the city. I don't want anything to do with this. Whatever this religion thing is you got, I don't want anything to do with it. So he keeps praying for Sabina. And he keeps praying to try and turn her heart to God. She wants nothing to do with it. But she wants to go back and make money. And so, she loves the big high society parties, so he agrees to go to one of these high society parties, and they accept an invitation. She gets there, and is having a great time until the party gets really kicked into gear, and people had been drinking so much, they all become drunk. And they all really begin to get really obnoxious. And she goes over to Richard and says, I want to go home. And he says, no, 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 we're here to party. That's what we're going to do. This is what you wanted to do, so let's do it. Let's party. After a little while longer, the jokes are more obnoxious, the things are worse, she realizes... This isn't really what she wants. These people are living a hollow life. She starts to cry. Take me home. And whatever that religion thing is you, you've been talking to me about, I'm interested. It's not long before she turns her heart to the Lord. And I mean deeply turns it to the Lord. Okay. And very soon, in the 1930s, they both begin to talk and speak. He gives up his job as a stockbroker and goes to learn about Christ. He's going to become a minister. Okay. Now remember, he's in this country. And this country, during the 1930s, has been taken over and it becomes part of the USSR. You know what that is? Basically Russia. It is, it is basically a Soviet state, okay, basically what much of the country of Russia is today, but there are a lot of other small states in there that Russia used to uh, be over top of. And the, the key was that it was uh, full, it was communist, okay, at the time. Now this, as a 
technicality, the USSR fell apart back uh, a couple of decades ago, basically. But communism was huge. And at the time, in the 1930s, who is pushing, who is becoming a world leader? What's the famous person becoming a world leader? Hitler, right? Hitler in Germany. There was um, Mussolini in Italy, and there was one in Stalin in Russia. Right? Stalin's in Russia, right? So there's Hitler, Mussolini in Italy, Stalin in Russia, and then who's it? Emperor Hirohito, I think, basically become oh. they become the powers for communism. Okay. Um, and they become who tries to take over the world. Communism and Nazism. Basically, the, the push for this is to push out all religion except for what the state says is going to happen. Okay? What the state says is okay, then you can do it. And they begin to see persecutions in Russia or in the USSR, they begin to see persecutions. Now they're Christians. And they are pushed all the time, but they keep giving, they keep preaching, they keep preaching, they keep preaching. People get scared, and they start gathering up the Jewish people, just like you hear in Nazi Germany, right? This is happening throughout all of the Axis powers, which include the USSR, okay? where Joseph Stalin was a dictator and doing whatever he wanted to do and killing people like you hear about Hitler and by the hundreds and thousands of them, okay? Even into the millions. So Stalin pushes to take away people's freedoms and do what he wants to do. Well, Richard and Sabina begin to go into the low end places, the ghettos, where these Jewish kids are living, and they go in and they take the Jewish kids out to try to save them. And they do several of those things, and they are not allowed to meet as a church anymore. Now, he's been preaching, right? Not allowed to meet as a church. When they're not allowed to meet as a church, they take groups of people out into the park. And the the secret Russian police come out after them. All these groups of people, all these families want to meet and learn about Christ, but they're not allowed to. They pretend they're having a birthday party for these kids. That's what they do every time. And it, and it works to trick the KGB officers, the, the Russian secret police, for a while. But eventually, it catches up with them and they come after him. They come after Richard, okay? The secret police. Now, while they're doing these things, Sabina is also doing things. The Russian troops are being taken into all these little countries in the USSR to keep the peace, okay? That means I'm driving in my troops, I'm coming in. Basically, you have to do whatever I tell you, just like the Nazis went throughout Europe, right? taking places over, taking away people's freedoms, killing people, the Russian troops were the same thing. They were brought in by trains in Russia. And Sabina 
knew of people that needed help. And she had salt. It was one thing that they could sell. They had access to salt. And so she got bags of salt and put them on the tops of the training cars and Bibles because Bibles were outlawed. And she rode on the top of the train car secretly, held on with salt and Bibles while the Russian troops were inside the train cars. Pretty gutsy woman, okay? She's riding on top to get into the places where she needed to get to where they wanted to get Bibles to people who could not get Bibles. Now, if you were caught, as time got worse and worse and worse, if you were caught, you were often taken away, sometimes killed. Sometimes worse things happen to you, okay? Now, <clears throat> one night, they had been living through these things, and remember, in other places... There uh, were concentration camps. Sabina's family, being Jewish, many of her family members were taken to concentration camps and killed there. She was not. God had a purpose for her. Okay? How she escaped it all, I don't know the exact details of, but one night they had heard of this Richard Wormbrand and they came in. It was a man that came in about midnight to their house. And this man was a man who had run some of these concentration camps and had personally written death warrants or put to death some of her family. He came in and he was very much disturbed that night. And Richard brought him in, knew who he was, learned who he was, and he went up and woke up his wife, it was after midnight, said, this is the man who came and killed your family. This is, this is the man responsible for it. She came downstairs, and she cooked him a meal. And they talked through the night. And by the morning, that man turned his heart to God. Now, Sabina and Richard are not normal people, right? They have, as you see, they are not afraid stand for Christ. Now, they didn't want anything to do with it for a long time, but finally, when they did turn their hearts, they became just these strong, strong people. And I will tell you how strong. They held, in Istanbul, they held a big conference that was, that was broadcast, okay? And they were trying to indoctrinate all the religious leaders. This is what was happening all across the places uh, at the time, they were trying to indoctrinate the religious leaders. And they brought them in to indoctrinate them. And they said, communism is good. We want to make sure that all the religious leaders know they can do whatever they want. But it really wasn't true, right? They're trying to spread propaganda. Uh, but communism supports all these things. Nobody stood up. But Richard and Sabina were there. There was about 4,000 church leaders at this big congress, this big body they got together, and they broadcast it as a propaganda piece. As they watched, every single one of those ministers said, yep, it's true, it's true, communism's okay, it's not a problem, it's not a problem. And Sabina poked Richard in the side and said, we cannot let this go on. 
This is shameful for people who believe in God. Richard stood up, walked over to the podium, and began to say, this whole thing is a disaster. Communism itself is awful. We've got to stop this. You can't let them take these freedoms away. He stood up. They shut the broadcast down because of his speech. Took it off the air. And within a short time after, he was walking to his church, about an eight to 10 minute walk, and all of a sudden he disappeared. The KGB police came and took him away. They took him to a cell, and they beat him day in and day out. Continued to fight and beat him over and over and over again. And they did terrible things to him. He had scars all over his whole body. That was in 1948 he was taken. And his first thing he said when he got put in that car with those secret police is, it was February 29th, it's leap year day, right? He thought to himself, because he had been stu studying the Bible for, for a while, he said, there are 366 times in the Bible it says, do not be afraid. Obviously, he'd been studying that. And he said, it's leap year day. That means one for every single day of the year, including today. And he just started to smile. And the KGB police didn't know what to do with him. Now they did take him, and they beat him, and they beat him, and they imprisoned him. And he was in there for a very, very long time. But that was his first thought. Within a couple months, he was about 90 pounds. They fed him one piece of bread a day. Okay? He was forced to sit exactly still from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. every day while they sent messages to him or they interrogated him. Not allowed to move, not allowed to close his eyes. If he moved or closed his eyes, he'd beat him. Okay? And what they wanted him to do was denounce Christ and say, I don't believe in Christ, it's not real. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. They kept trying to indoctrinate him. And he only said, as time went on, I learned to do something that was most important. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. And 44, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, <clears throat> Love your enemies, bless them do that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So these things stuck in his mind. Love your enemies. Pray for them that are persecuting you that hate you, that use you, okay, that abuse you, pray for them. Anybody can love your friends, but it takes somebody that knows God 
to love your enemies. And he said, I learned over the time to love my enemies. He was in there for some time. Eventually, Sabina was taken also. And she was put in a hard labor camp for three years. She was physically moved rocks. Okay, They moved rocks and made them build a canal for them because they needed labor. And so they took her because she was a Christian. She said, we hardly we worked all day, 18 hours, basically a day, from before light till after dark, and we dropped dead in the bed that we had, which were just basically planks to sleep on. Okay, These barracks, they stayed there, they worked day and night, basically, and once they did that, they had agreed to the ladies in the barracks who knew God said, we're going to first stand up. The first thing we're going to say in the morning is how God is good and how God loves us. He is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. That's what we're going to say. And we're going to smile to everybody. That's a pretty strong person that can say that as you're being forced into labor because of what you believe. All right? Needless to say, this whole time goes on. <coughs> Richard is in prison. I told you she was in prison for three years. He's in prison for eight years. She did not know if he was alive or dead. They had sent her many messages saying he was dead, but he was not. Even after she was released, when she was released, they said, uh, Richard hung himself in the cell. But it never happened. He kept being awake. They were trying to break her. They were trying to dis disturb her, trying to get her to stop believing in any way they could. They used to put children in cells around them when they were in solitary confinement, all alone in a cell, when they, they wanted them to hear sounds of children so that they would miss their own child and somehow give up. But they didn't. They just kept standing. They kept standing for what they believed. There were times where Richard's feet were beat until they were a bloody pulp. And they'd throw him back in the cell. There were times they'd leave him in handcuffs for three, four, or five days in a row. He was in solitary confinement for multiple years. That means totally alone. No sounds. A dark cell. Most of the time, they'd come in and interrogate him sometimes. They didn't even want the sounds of the soldiers. They gave him soft-soled shoes so he didn't make any noises. They wanted it to be maddening how quiet it was. So when they came in, they tried to break you. They tried to break you. And eventually, he was so close to being dead that they put him in a cell with other people. It's called the death cell that you just basically... You give him a few days or a couple of weeks, he'll be dead. But he got better. And he started to tell other people in the death cell about Christ. Eventually, he turned his, the guards to Christ. They kept coming in to interrogate him, and they didn't understand. Why are you so happy? How do you do this? And he said, you guys hate people. But with God, you learn to love people, even your enemies. 
And he had those chances and those things where he stood no matter what happened for Christ. Now I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 27 and 28, please. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetop. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear them which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I saw Richard Wormbrand talk about, he was inside one of the cells later, years, years later after he had been released, talked about being handcuffed for multiple days, and he said they could do all kinds of things to me. He said, but my soul was free. No matter what they did to my body, my soul was free. Now this is somebody who has been in prison for multiple years, solitary confinement, looking to try and break him. They don't, they don't want him to survive because there's too many chances that he'll turn other people to Christ. And all he did was just live. And he said, I had to repeat scripture to myself. He said, by the time I got back to being able to write something, because he was never given a chance, he says, I couldn't remember how to write a capital D anymore. It had been so long, years, as he was just sitting in the cell by himself. Nothing but you and your thoughts and the Lord. He says, I learned how to give myself to God more and more and more and learn how to be content where I was. And whether I lived or whether I died, it was up to God. And I was going to trust and I was going to go into the world and preach the gospel, even if it was in a cell. He said there were people in the cell, others in solitary confinement, in the middle of the night. They used Morse code with the, through the rock walls, through the concrete walls, to talk back and forth about Christ. Now that's a very desperate place to be in. It ended up, the man he turned to Christ was, was one of the guys who interrogated him and ended up signing his release. So he'd been in there for about almost 10 years nine years or so, um, he got released. He went back out, found his family, went back preaching. And it was only about four years later they put him back for another six years in prison. He didn't care where he was. Not that he didn't miss his family, not that he didn't love his wife, but when they finally got out of the country, they were able to get out of the country as a family as a whole, they came to the West they preached in America, they taught in churches, they went to over 10,000 different churches and talked about things. What was happening behind the Iron Curtain in the USSR, how they were stopping their freedoms because you couldn't get information out of there. They had had it so tight and closed. He finally got out. He went to Congress, our the United States Congress, and took his shirt off and showed people all of the scars and all the things that they had done in the name of communism to him. He says, it was because I love Jesus. Right? He was sentenced to basically 
two 20-year sentences for saying, I love God. He went to a trial one time. It was a small group of people in there. He was in there for 10 minutes. And all he could say was, I love God. And they sentenced him to 20 years for that one trial. Right? So be aware. Be careful. Take the faith that it takes. Okay? And don't be afraid of those who could destroy the body. Now that's a strong person of faith. That was a time where it was terrible. But understand there are places around the world today. We're going to talk about some of those places in the next few weeks where people are fighting for what we sit here openly put online today. People cannot get a Bible. People cannot pray out loud or in public or they will be gone after many different countries, different things happen to them today. We'll talk about some people that have lived in the past, have have stood up for what they believe, like Richard and Sabina, okay? We'll talk about those people, and we will talk about people that are living there today. And understand this freedom is teetering even in our country. Be aware what we may have to endure in the future. Right? We don't know what brings it. We hope that God keeps it here. We hope we have freedom. But there are powerful, evil forces out there fighting. Right? So know that no matter what happens, we can trust in God and work through, even if we have to do something like what Richard and Sabina went through. Not that we want to do that, necessarily. But God is with you always. That's the verse he said in Matthew uh, 28. God is with you always, even to the end of the world. He's always there. He says, Jesus promised, I will be with you from now through the end of the world. Every day, all day long. I never leave you, never forsake you. Thank you very much. Have a good day.